What a beautiful afternoon it has been and a beautiful evening it has turned into. Uh, I had just as soon it go ahead and just get a little colder and snow real good instead of this cold rain. Um, it's uh, nevertheless a blessed opportunity to be here tonight, isn't it? It's good to be here. We're going to continue our study tonight from the book of Ecclesiastes. So please turn with me back there. Ecclesiastes chapter 1. And we're going to begin in verse 12 tonight. We're not going to go very far. We're just going to uh, look at verses 12 down through verse, verse 18 through the end of the chapter. And not going to get on into chapter 2, although the thought will continue into chapter 2. But, uh, okay, my clickers quit. Tonight, though, we're just going to be looking at these first uh, few verses of the thought. The quest for understanding. The quest for understanding. Um, well, let's try this again. Nope. My clickers died. I don't need it so much for the lesson as after the lesson I need to uh, be able to control the well, the PowerPoint, so let's see if I can change this. I'll, I'll, here we go. Okay, let's go ahead and uh, get into this particular lesson. If I can get this connected here. There we go. Verse 12, I, the preacher, was king over Israel in Jerusalem. And I set my heart to seek and search out by wisdom concerning all that is done under heaven. This burdensome task God has given to the sons of men by which they may be exercised. I have seen all the works that are under, done under the sun. And indeed, all is vanity and grasping for the wind. What is crooked cannot be made straight. And what is lacking cannot be numbered. I communed with my heart, saying, Look, I have attained greatness and, gave, and have gained more wisdom than all who were before me in Jerusalem. My heart has understood great wisdom and knowledge. And I set my heart to know wisdom and to know madness and folly. I perceived that this also is grasping for the wind. For in much wisdom is much grief, and he who increases knowledge increases Sorrow. Okay, as we have already pointed out, um, this book, and we do need to keep the main focus of the book and the backdrop of the book as we're going through specific passages. Always, always keep this in front of us. The main focus of the book is the vanity of material and earthly things. That includes earthly wisdom. That includes the knowledge of the things that are around us. Knowledge of... Uh, societal evolution, if you will, to, the, to understand why people do what they do, to understand all the things in this world that there is to understand, when you get to the bottom line, it's still worthless. Still is not going to mean anything. The main point of this book is that we need God. And in reality, you cannot truly understand anything in this world without Him. You know, every important question that a person can ask, I mean important questions, the only one who has the answer is God. 
was talking to a fellow this week who is an atheist. I don't know why he's following us on the radio program, but I'm glad that he is. But he apparently uh, enjoys just trying to uh, antagonize people. And uh, I talked about the Word of God and the need to follow the Word of God this week and made a post about that on Facebook and made a post about that on YouTube. And you know what? He said, it's just a fairy tale. I would hate to be in his shoes. I really would. Because the reality is, and, cause, and I asked him some very important questions. Where did you come from? We don't know. How did you get here? Now, how did humanity get here? How did life start? Where did this universe come from? What, what, you know, what's life about? What are you here for? Where are you going when you die? What's the purpose of your life? He has no answers to those questions. What a sad life to live. But when you have God, then you can answer all of those questions. And it gives you something to live for. The book of Ecclesiastes, you know, is very important to keep our focus, to keep this theme in the back of our mind when analyzing particular statements. So tonight we're going to be focusing in on the vanity of striving after earthly wisdom. What is the consequence or the result of earthly wisdom? Let's say that you get it all. You understand everything there is to understand, which you're not going to, but let's just say that you do. What good is it going to get, get you? Really? Um, the book illustrates the vanity of life when looked at solely from an earthly perspective. Solomon is, God gave him all of this wisdom to look at life and to examine life, and he allowed Solomon to to write these things down for us. Now, I do understand also that Solomon is writing this by the inspiration of God. Remember, Solomon did try a lot of things that were worldly and ungodly, and he turned in his heart away from God. But God is giving him the inspiration, and this book is the product of a man who is looking at life under the sun, and he comes to the conclusion that all this is absolutely worthless without God. So, in verses 12 and 13, we see, I, the preacher, was king over Israel and Jerusalem, Solomon. And I set my heart to seek and search out by wisdom concerning all that is done under the, under the heaven, under heaven, that is, under the sun. He's determined to seek out wisdom. To, he set or fixed his heart. You know, we also have a responsibility to set our heart heart our mind the heart is the seat not only of affections but also of our understanding our intellectual faculties it is the mind the heart the bible heart is the mind our will and our understanding of things and so he has set his heart on finding out all that he can about things in in this life he is going to seek the hebrew Term means to, it is a penetrating, in-depth study of a particular thing. I'm going to seek this out. I'm going to get to the bottom of this and to search it out. That is, he is going to take a comprehensive survey. I'm going to find out everything there is to find out about this thing. I'm going to seek it out. I'm going to dig to the depths and I'm going to, going to examine it to its breadth. I'm going to find out everything there is to know. And the instrument that he's using to examine these things is wisdom. Now, not godly wisdom necessarily, 
but wisdom, earthly wisdom, and just understanding of things. And so he is going to use this wisdom to examine everything. He wished to investigate the causes, the conditions of things under the sun in this world. So, let's point one thing out real quick. Solomon says, I set my heart. Who is it that sets my values, my interests, and my goals? I do. Nobody else can determine that for me, can they? But I can. And I have a responsibility myself to set my heart on the things that are most important, to value the things that are most valuable. And so as Jesus himself said, you know, I can't be double-minded. I have to lay up my treasure in heaven. Matthew 6, 19 through 24. I have to focus my eyes on the things that are spiritual. I cannot be loyal to God and loyal to the world at the same time. I can't serve both. And so Jesus points that out. Paul in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, emphasizes the need for us to have our minds renewed and for us to focus on the things, giving our bodies totally to His service, to God's service. In Colossians 3 and verse 1, set your affections on things above, not on things on this earth. And that is the point that we need to get out of this. But we do have that choice. We're the ones who decide what's important to us. Then this idea or concept of wisdom, what is this? Well, we often define wisdom as the knowledge that we have being applied to everyday life or certain questions or problems. And so we apply the knowledge that we have. And that's, that's right, but of course here it's more knowledge of the things of this world. Okay? And so the focus and the result of the conduct and, and the things that are going on in this world, what Solomon is doing, he is examining this conduct and what will be the consequence of that conduct. You know, and the, there's nothing wrong with us looking at things that way. In fact, it's very important for us to look at things that way. We need to think about a particular action that we're going to take. Okay, um, first and foremost, is this right or is this wrong? Okay, and if it's right, okay. If it's wrong, don't do it. So that's the first thing. That requires knowledge, and it's a wise thing to then decide not to do it. But secondly, you also, with wisdom, look down the road of the choices that you make. A wise person is able to see the consequences of his choices because he understands the principles underlying that choice. Now listen, let's say that a man is at work and there's a woman begins to flirt with him, begins to catch his eye, and she, he's a married man, and she continues to flirt. Now, he's got a choice, right? He's got a choice. What is he going to do? Is he going to say, listen, I need you to leave me alone. I'm a married man. I love my wife. Go on, find something else to do with your time. You know, he could do that or he could continue to invite her flirtiness. Uh, he can entertain that. And he can allow, he, he can, he's got a choice to make. Now, a wise man, though, is going to stop. He's going to think, okay, what's the consequence of this? Where is it going to go? You need to read Proverbs chapter 5, Proverbs chapter 7. That'll tell you where it's going to go. It's going to wind up destroying your life. That's what's going to happen. A fool will, go, will rush headlong into this and destroy himself, whereas a wise man, no, 
I ain't doing that. So that's the difference. See, and we need to look at things from that perspective. What are the consequences? Two kinds of wisdom. There's human wisdom. And listen, human wisdom in and of itself is not necessarily bad. All right? There are many things that, that have come about that are good because of human wisdom, human innovation, technology, for example. There are good qualities about it. Medical sciences, there are good things about it. Important discoveries that have been made, right? So there is some good qualities to it, but the ultimate, the overall concept is it's not really going to solve your problems, you see. And whereas divine wisdom is the real answer, the eternal answer to all of your problems. There's a big difference. And James does talk about these two types of, of wisdom in James 3, 15 through 17. And when you solely rely upon human wisdom, it, it's actually simply going to get you in trouble. And it's going to cause division, it's going to cause hardships in your life. But then in verse 13 he says, This burdensome task God has given to the sons of man. What does he mean by that? Um, this particular word, burdensome, is found nowhere else in the Bible. It's found several times in the book of Ecclesiastes, but nowhere else in, in the Old Testament. And it implies distracting busyness. Okay, this is stuff that God has given us to do to, to waste our time, if you will, or to fill our time, if you'd rather look at it from a positive perspective. And, and it implies a distracting busyness or engrossing occupation. An engrossing occupation. You are, you, you are filling your time pursuing um, these things that are material as far as understanding them. Understanding the why of things. Men feel a compulsion to seek out the answer to many questions in this world. Things that cannot be answered without deep investigation, and even at that, you're still going to come up short. And it always is going to leave you wanting more. How many of you watch National Geographic, or especially Nat Geo Wild? You know, and you watch some of these programs, like uh, there's one now that's running Africa Wild. Okay, and they got several different programs about Africa. And they talk about all the different animals. There are some really strange animals in this world. You know what? I mean, some strange ones. There was this, there's this one one uh, beetle that all it does this is its life it runs across the desert it just runs 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 and there's this particular lizard that likes this particular beetle and this lizard digs himself under the sand and waits and listens for that beetle to come running by and when that beetle gets close the lizard pops up out of the ground eats the beetle and he goes back under the ground waiting for the next one and that's all this beetle does is runs across the desert until eventually he becomes a lizard's meal. That's, okay, we've got that knowledge. We know that beetle does that. There's another beetle that likes to hop around. And so scientists are focusing on all these insects, all these reptiles, all these things in this world that they study and find out some very interesting and amazing things. In fact, we could, there are studies for just about everything in this world and even outside of this world. And we can search and search and search 
When are we going to ever know it all? When are we going to find out everything there is to learn? No. The quest to understand is absolutely endless, isn't it? The quest to understand, also know this, is absolutely meaningless in the overall analysis. Okay, what benefit do you now know, do you now have knowing that there's a beetle that runs across the desert in Africa just waiting to get eaten by a lizard? What benefit do you have of that? But there's 15 minutes of a show talking about this one beetle. Hmm. So you understand it, but what good does it really do you? It's a burdensome task. Young's literal translation of this latter part of verse 13 so it's a sad travail God hath given to the sons of man to be humbled by it. In other words, the purpose of this, and I, I, rather, I like that, that explanation. I, th I think it really hits the nail on the head. The purpose is not that we find out all this stuff. The purpose is that we find out we can't know all this stuff. And we're humbled by that. We realize that there is something much bigger and much greater than us. A fellow asked me this morning, uh, sent me a, a message. I think he is from Africa. He sent a question uh, wanting to know where did all the different races of men come from and where did all the different kinds of animals come from? Well, I, I believe you go back to, you know, first of all, he said, well, you know, since everybody came from Adam, that's true. Everybody came from Adam. Everybody came from Eve. As we read in the scripture reading tonight, Eve is the mother of all living, right? She's the mother of all living. But then you also have the flood. You have Noah and his wife, and Noah's three sons and his, their wives, and they were on the ark. That's all of humanity that was saved, and everybody else today, all humans come from that family, right? So where did all the different races come from? Well, you go back to the Tyre of Babel, and you began to notice that God spread humanity out all over the face of the earth. And so as time goes by in the different climates, the different uh, circumstances that people lived in, there were changes that took place. Okay, that's the best way I know how to explain it. How do you explain all the different kinds of animals? Well, first of all, you, all the different kinds. God made the kinds. He made the kinds. I mean, dogs are always, canines are always going to be canines. You don't have a translation, you know, like Darwin's uh, evolution, naturalistic evolutionary theory where, you know, a, a bug became another kind of animal and that became another kind of animal. No, it doesn't work like that. Canines will always be canines. They always have been. They were dogs from the beginning. There always will be. Whether it's a wolf or whether it's a fox, they're all canines. Or what about lions and kitty cats? They're still canines. And there are changes based upon where they are, the circumstances. There are changes within the kinds because of the genetic things that are passed along and restricted in certain procedures, breeding procedures, but that's all another question. But, okay, we can study all of that, um, but what are we going to learn? You know, we can, we can dig and dig and dig, and the reality is the more that we know, the less we realize we know. Um, what is it that really distinguishes human beings from animals? It's the, our desire to know all of these questions, the answer to all these questions. 
Uh, what is the origin of things? Well, what is the destiny and the purpose of life, of humanity, of myself? I want to know the answer to these things. But here, you know what? The reality is, studying all that's under the sun is not going to give me the answer to those questions. The sons of men, not just God's covenant people, by the way, are given this tireless task. Seeking the answers to millions and millions and millions of questions. Ah, yes, it's humbling. When you begin, the more that you learn, the more you realize you do not know. Verse 14, he says, And I have seen all the works that are done under the sun, and indeed all is vanity and grasping for the wind. Now God equipped Solomon to see these things, to, to understand these things better than anybody else. He did an exhaustive study. And he says, indeed, all is vanity. Behold, all is vanity, some translations say. Uh, the idea is, this is, uh, this is the result right here. This is it. It's worth nothing. All human endeavor is unsubstantial and ultimately unsatisfying. No matter how thoroughly a person investigates that beetle that runs across the sand, no matter how much time and effort they spend... And by the way, how, did, how in the world, uh, we watch Nat Geo quite a bit. And uh, there's this little lizard that uh, is so happy when the wildebeest, the, the wildebeest herds come through his neck of the woods because that means bugs are going to be following these wildebeest. And that's exactly what he's been waiting for. But the wildebeest are way up here. So he's got to be inventive and the bugs... You know, he's got to be smart. So not only do the wildebeest bring the bugs, the wildebeest bring the lions. And the lions follow the wildebeest, and the lions like to lay around all day long, and the bugs are on the lions, and the lions are a lot smaller than the wildebeest, so the lizards come up to the lions and sneak up from behind and get the bugs off the lions. Okay? Smart little bugs, or smart little lizards, right? Okay, so you know all of that. What do you know? Um... It's not satisfying. Now you've got to go find some, some other lizard. And there are many other lizards to, to study. So you're never going to get tired of that. Never, or never going to find out all the information there is. No matter how thoroughly a person investigates, how broad the area is that is taken in hand, it is found to be a rather fruitless endeavor. Now that you know about that little lizard that, follow, that, that gets up on the lion when the wildebeest come to town, what do you know? How, how does that benefit you? Um, a lot of things, you know, that we can learn in this world that mean absolutely nothing. Um, the unavoidable conclusion to all this, what is crooked cannot be made straight, and what is lacking cannot be numbered. What's the point of that? Life presents many problems which there are no answers. Right? There are a lot of things that we cannot explain. And even what we can explain, there are things that we simply, by all of our understanding and knowledge, we can't fix it. We can take all kinds of preventative measures to protect us during storms. 
You can build your house out of concrete. That's good, but you still can't stop the storm. You cannot stop the tornado from coming. You cannot stop the hurricane from coming. You cannot stop the earthquake from coming. When uh, I was in construction in Pine Bluff, we built Simmons Bank from Dollaway Road, little branch bank there. And uh, one of the things that the architects made us do in that little bank was um, out by the ATM area, made us put a, um, an earthquake preventative structure up just in case there was an earthquake over the ATM machines. Not the bank itself, just over the ATM machines. Okay, I still, I've never understood exactly the purpose of that. But anyway, it's this big steel, um, well, it's like a truss. And I, I didn't make much sense. But anyway, they, they just found, you know, they've been talking a lot about the Madrid fault and the possibility of the earthquake, you know, happening. And that had been in the news a lot recently. So the architects decided, hey, this is a good way to spend about $15,000. Okay, so that's what they did. Okay, what good is that, <laughs> that earthquake? preventative structure done nothing and it's not going to help even if a, an earthquake happens but okay it's interesting the greatest mathematician cannot add figures which do not exist and we can do all kinds of calculating we can do all kinds of science but we're still going to come up short and not going to understand everything it's not going to happen we cannot rectify and solve all of the world's problems. There will always be those problems. And you know what, my friend? If we as humanity were to get together and solve one problem, I will promise you something. There's another problem that's going to pop up. You fix one disease, there'll be another one that comes along. You know it? There'll be a virus that all of a sudden goes rogue and it's going to come. It, it, something else is going to come along. I, I guarantee you. There will always be wars. We can hate war. We can talk about peace. We can march down the streets and wave banners wanting peace. We can, we can do that all day long. There will always be wars. You know why? There's always wicked people in this world. Always be wars. There will always be disease. There will always be disease. No matter how smart we are. Regardless of the advances of our technology and our medic medicine, there will always be disease. There will always be natural disasters. You're not going to stop them. Now, we can help some of these things. We can make dents into some of these things, but we are not going to fix them. There will always be the poor. Jesus said that in John 12 and verse 8. You know what? We can come up with a, a government that is supposed to remedy the problem of poverty. Historically, people have tried that. Communism, socialism, they've tried it. Does it work? Nope. There will always be the poor, regardless of what you think is going to solve the problem. There will always be the poor. There will always be unanswerable questions. Always. What is crooked cannot be made straight. 
We cannot change what God has decreed. Now, what is true, for one, what is crooked cannot be made straight. All the bad stuff that, that we can't control, that we can't fix, understand something else. The reverse is also true. That which is straight cannot be made crooked. You know it? That which God says, that which God decrees is not going to be changed. You cannot change God's Word. Listen, your rejection of God's Word is not going to change it. It's not going to alter it one bit. My friend, the Word of God is what it is. It is what it is. The church of Christ is what it is. Someone, another question that came to me this week. Is the church of Christ the church of Christ? And I said, of course it is. Simple answer. Of course, then they wanted to argue about that. You think your denomination is the church of Christ? Wait, wait, you ask, is the church of Christ the church of Christ? The answer is yes. The church of Christ is the church of Christ. It is what it is. They said, well, the church of Christ did not start until the mid-1800s. I said, no. In Acts, the second chapter, verse 47, the Lord added the saved to his church. Whose church was that? It was Jesus' church. The church of Christ. It is what it is. It's the saved. You can't change that. You may want to turn it into a denomination, but the church of Christ is the church of Christ. Now, there are those who call themselves the church of Christ, but they're not. They're just as denominational as anybody else. But the church of Christ is always going to be the church of Christ. It always will be. It is His church. That is the people who follow Him. Those who follow Jesus Christ are His people. Bottom line. They're in the body of Christ, the church of Christ. That's what it is. We can't change that. We can choose, you know, we, we can choose whether to accept God's Word or not. We can choose to follow God's will or not. But we do not have the power not to choose. We choose, and we have the right and the ability to make that choice, but we do not have the right or the ability not to choose. We will die. No question about that. Hebrews 9 and verse 27, It is appointed unto men once to die, and after this to judgment. You're going to die. I'm going to die. That is, of course, unless Jesus comes first. I know, okay... You got me there. Yes. If we're alive when Jesus comes, we will not suffer physical death, although we will be changed in the moment in the twinkling of an eye. That, that's what will happen. But, okay, we'll die. We will be accountable before Him, before God, for how we've lived in our life. Those are certain things, things that cannot be changed. We, can't, we, we don't have anything to do with those things. It is what it is. Now we have a choice whether we're going to accept God's will and God's word and accept his way or reject it. We're going to be held accountable for that. So what is crooked cannot be made straight, but also remember what is straight cannot be made crooked. And what is lacking cannot be numbered. There are things that we simply cannot change. In verse 16 it says, I commune with my heart saying, look, I have attained greatness. And have gained more wisdom than all who were before me in Jerusalem. Now David was the only king before him actually in Jerusalem. But you know the line of, of kings in Jerusalem. And I mean from Israel's perspective. But prior to that you had Melchizedek. You had many kings in Jerusalem. And who governed the area. There were many alleged or supposed 
or professed wise men prior to Solomon. But he makes the point, I have attained all this wisdom far greater than anyone else. This again does point to Solomon. He says, my heart has understood great wisdom and knowledge. And he found great success in material things. He had more than everybody and anybody. He had gained great wisdom and knowledge of how things work. He had done the utmost to acquire this wisdom. He had really put in the effort. Yet he was still unable to explain the anomalies of life by the wisdom. There were still many questions that he could not answer. And my friend, as smart as people are today, they still cannot answer a lot of questions. That atheist that uh, wrote to me this week, I, I asked him, I said, where did life come from? Can you explain to me how DNA and RNA got together and decided to organize proteins in such a way that you have life? He said, I can't explain that. And I said, okay, I can. He didn't want to hear, the, hear what I had to say. Without God, you're going to have a lot of questions that you can't answer. He had done the utmost to acquire all this wisdom, but yet there were many things he still could not answer. In verse 17, I set my heart to know wisdom and no madness and folly. He left no stone unturned, in other words. He even explored the opposite of wisdom. He took his wisdom into the, into the laboratory of sin. And he tested it out. He tried it. He learned madness and folly. The word madness in the Hebrew means confusion of thought. You know, that's exactly what someone who practices sin, you know, what take place, take, takes place in their mind. They become confused. People who give themselves over to the world become very confused about things. And folly, the Hebrew term means vice or wickedness. He experimented with vice, with wickedness. And he points out that all of this that he tried, everything that he put his test tube in his, into his test tube produced absolutely nothing of lasting value. It's like, he says, chasing the wind. For in much wisdom is much grief as well. And he who increases knowledge increases sorrow. Chasing the wind. Grasping for the wind. Just doesn't work, does it? Leads one to find out many disturbing things about knowledge, wisdom. The more you learn, the more you realize you don't know. The more you learn, the more you understand how you are out of control as far as being able to control the things that are around you. The more you know, the more disturbing things you find out, the more vexation or irritation that's going to come into your spirit. Sorrow grows out of getting more knowledge. Many things are hopelessly bent to evil. You know, of course, um, Michael is a police officer, and my brother-in-law is a state trooper. My brother is a sheriff in Jefferson County. 
they see as part of the world that most of us know nothing about. You know what? They see and they go into that world of drugs and murder and abuse, sexual abuse, horrendous, horrific crimes. They see those things. They learn about those things. You know what seeing those things does to your soul, to your mind? When you see the wickedness of people on a daily basis, it'll change your perspective of people. And you have to be very careful that you do not become cynical. You know, you've got to be careful. You've got to guard your heart because of all the wickedness that you see. But one of the things that does happen is you come to realize you are awakened to the reality there is an evil, wicked world. You see it every day. And so that knowledge affects you. Becomes even more conscious of your ignorance as well, of the other thing, the impotence that you have to, to stop it. You can't protect everybody. You can't save everybody. You're powerless. That affects you. And that's really what Solomon's point is here. He says, for in much wisdom is much grief, and he who increases knowledge increases sorrow. He sees the wickedness in the world. He goes into that world. And he knows. So, increased wisdom brings heartache and sorrow and frustration. And also, of course, the more that you know, the more responsibility that you have. The more that you know, the more burdens that you have to bear. The more that you know, the more you're conscious of reality. The wickedness that exists. The more conscious you are of your limitations and your ability to do anything about it. And your, your understanding of not knowing these things is really dangerous. You know, one of the things, being around law enforcement people quite a bit, you know, one of the things that they will always tell you is you have to be alert wherever you go. You know, because they've seen the dangers. And of course, we, many of us are simply in our, in our ignorance. You know, we don't know all of this world exists. And that's dangerous. And so that the more that you know, the, you know, you see the danger of ignorance. And you're trying to educate other people to protect them. So there are problems with knowledge. And that is what Solomon is saying. So... There are areas where human effort is futile. You know, human wisdom is not going to help you. We can't change, we can't control many things in this world. It's completely out of our grasp to understand them, and it's out of our ability to fix them. So when you think about things like this under the sun, it's easy to become cynical, to become you know, a naysayer. And a doubter. If you're just looking at things under the sun. The search for human wisdom has its problems. It's not easily gained. Brings about grief and it increases sorrow. The more that you know, is that really better? Not necessarily. There are also many burdens that comes with it. One's quality of life is only realized. When we recognize the futility 
of chasing the wind. It's all we do when we're chasing the things of this world. And until and unless we seek to serve God with all of our heart, our life here would be wasted. So Solomon is going to get there, but right now we're still going to go through some more of this you know, examination, this experiment. In our next study, we'll see his quest for pleasure. Where are you going to find joy and happiness in life? But uh, for right now, we don't have to understand everything. In fact, you know what? I, I, I know that we're kind of curious creatures. We, we like to know things. We like to learn as much as we can. But the reality is I don't have to know a whole lot of stuff that people put a lot of stock in. Really, the only mo and most important thing for me to know is that God, the one who made it all, is also the one who is over it all. And he is the one who is in control of everything that happens. He is the one in sovereign control, not me. And if I trust him, regardless of what happens in this life, in this world, he's going to save me if I trust him and I follow him. And it gives me a whole new perspective on life. When I have a godly perspective, you know, I've got all I need. And an important thing, we have Christ, okay? Jesus Christ is God's wisdom. The righteousness of God is God's wisdom. And it has been presented to us, and we can have, and we can know everything we need to know and have in Christ Jesus. The preeminence of Christ is discussed in Colossians chapter 1, beginning in verse 13. And if we are in Him, we have all these things, this knowledge and understanding in Christ. Jesus Himself said in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. But the world's burden is really heavy, weighs us down. Jesus Christ is the answer, though, to all of the problems that man may have. So, if you're here tonight and you need to obey the gospel, hadn't said anything about that. If you need to know what you need to do, let me know. We'll be, I'll be glad to talk with you. I'll be glad to study with you. Uh, maybe there's something in your life that you need to correct and change. If there's a sin that you need to make known and have us pray with you and for you, we'll be glad to do that. If you need to confess your sins, he's, the Lord's faithful and just to forgive you. So anything we can do to help you tonight, won't you come while we stand, while we sing.